Wow, Carla, I'm going to embarrass myself here. Could it be in the Indian Ocean? I don't think so. I feel like it's the Pacific. It's south of Hawaii, yeah? Like, way south, but south of Hawaii. I I don't know. I've never been to Fiji. Okay, we need to get a globe stat. Welcome to Pennies and Popcorn, the show about real money lessons from the world of TV and movies. With your hosts, Carla Cash and Robert Davidson, a couple of personal finance geeks and movie lovers. Carla, can you believe it's almost Christmas time? It's the holiday season. So whoop did Okay, I'm not going to say I promise. Please don't. Wow, that was bad. <laughs> so we are starting our Christmas series here at Pennies and Popcorn, and our first episode will be Four Christmases. Yeah, as in the movie Four Christmases. Not like we're having Four Christmases here, but yeah, the movie Four Christmases with Reese Witherspoon. And- 2008, Vince Vaughn. Mm-hmm. Did you know that apparently the two stars of the film, good old Reese and good old Vince, did not get along during filming. Apparently it was just like oil and water. He was just rolling up to set at the last minute, kind of hungover, wanting to just ad-lib everything. And Reese Witherspoon, true to her Elle Woods character, was apparently showing up like super put together, ready to rock and roll, knew all of her lines, and that just did not make for a great working relationship. Well, she's an Oscar-winning actress, and he's like the slapstick comedy actor from old school yeah that is correct i'm not i can't argue with any of that yeah it doesn't seem like they're going to be the perfect pair yeah it's understandable there are actually a heck of a lot of oscar winners in this movie did you know that so the whole tim mcgraw (laughs) tim mcgraw does make an appearance but not an oscar winner to the best of my knowledge he might have won one yeah i'm thinking no oh no but there are a bunch of oscar winners so The premise of the movie is you have these two people visiting all four of their parents in a single day. So it's called Four Christmases. And all four of the parents are Oscar-winning actors. So you've got Sissy Spacebeck, Mary Steenburgen, John Voight, and Robert Duvall. It's a pretty heavy-hitting cast from the parents' side there. Yeah. Um, What did Robert Duvall win an Oscar for? I have no idea. Gone in 60 Seconds? Um, was he in that? Good grief, what a terrible <laughs> choice. I think of Robert Duvall and I think of him as the reporter from The Natural. That's what I think of. Okay. I think of him as the body shop that they're taking all the cars to <laughs> uh, with Nicolas Cage, also an Oscar winner. Mm, gosh, that's a depressing thought to think <laughs> about. All right, well, let's take it back to this movie here. The movie also isn't that great, yeah, right? Despite yeah. having this all-star cast with so many credentials behind their names i i don't think it was that great of a hit it did okay commercially but mm-hmm. did you know it was written uh, our filming started in late 2007 when the 2007 2008 writers guild strike was happening oh no so maybe part of the reason this thing was so cruddy is that there was nobody around to revamp the script when <laughs> they started directing it and decided it sucked yeah, well, that would that would fit. But, See, writers are important people. Pay your writers. They had no one on staff to make changes. Yeah, that's not that's not a good thing. Dislike. Okay, I have one last fun fact about this film. So, you know, one of my favorite things is that in different countries and other languages, movie titles are often changed to like better fit the culture of other places. Makes sense. Yeah. So, 
this particular movie was retitled to anywhere dot 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 except amongst family, which uh, is basically the whole plot summary. I think we can just leave the plot summary there. Actually, it's a very misleading plot summary, right? Because it makes it seem like these people are not going to spend Christmas with their family. And what I remember from looking into this before is that a lot of other cultures like their movie titles to be super, super literal. So like Jaws. The shark. Yes, it's renamed to The Shark. Because otherwise, how would people know the movie is about a shark and decide whether or not they want to go see it? So yeah, I actually feel like this is a swing and a miss if they're trying to just sum up the movie in one pithy little statement because actually they are spending a lot of time with family in this film, which I think is a good segue to a brief plot summary. You want to give it to us? Well, I think, like you said, there's this couple, Vince Vaughn, Reese Witherspoon. They're the main characters. They've been dating for about three years and traditionally do not spend time with their family around the holidays. They make up excuses and go on exotic vacations And this year, their plans got canceled. And somehow, they were captured on the local news while their (laughs) flight was canceled. And of course, all of their family happens to be watching this in real time and reaches out to call them to say, hey, you can't go do whatever charitable works you were lying to me about doing for the holidays. Come on over to our place. Both of them come from divorced homes. So they've got to go see mom and dad on both sides. And... They got to go make it happen. It's presented like it's all in one day, although this would be a hellaciously long day. Yes, it would. It definitely would. And it seems like their flight to Fiji, which is where they planned to spend their holidays, um, was still happening. It just got delayed by a single day. So they're doing all of this. And then presumably they're going to go to bed that night, wake up the next day pretty early and get on an airplane all day. It doesn't sound super relaxing to me, but... I'm not Reese and Vince in this movie. So... Before we get going, this is a Christmas movie. And like many Christmas movies, there is a discussion about Santa Claus. And so, parents, we may or may not reveal secrets to Santa's workshop that you may or may not want your kid to hear. So just be careful about who's listening to this episode at different points if you think that's important. Yep. That seems like a good little uh, Santa warning right up front. So with that in mind, I think we can go ahead and dive into our first clip. So this is before recent events have realized or learned that their flight is going to be canceled to Fiji. And we hear them catching up with friends at a holiday party and discussing their approach to the holidays versus the more traditional approach to the holidays. So what are you guys doing for Christmas? I got the entire family flying in. 13 airport pickups. Four days of listening to how gifted my nieces are. My brother thinks his daughter, the uh, four-year-old, is gonna be the next Beyonce. I'm vacationing in tropical Albany this year with Trisha's family. They got us a cot, which is awesome, but we'll probably end up sleeping on the musty couch in the basement with the cats, all seven of them. Why do you guys put yourselves through that? It's Christmas, right? Don't you have to? We don't need to do it anymore. And, and, and we don't. We absolutely don't do it anymore. No, we're done. Why? What are you doing? We're going to Fiji. Yeah. Just the two of us. Fiji. Yeah. But don't you ever feel guilty? For taking a vacation on our vacation? <laughs> no, not really. All right. Should they feel guilty for taking a vacation on their vacation? 
I mean, it is a really wonderful way to think about it if that's the way you're wired, because it's quite true. Your company oftentimes has gifted you some holiday time where they're saying you don't have to be here. Go use your time the way you wish to spend it. What's interesting for them is their families all seem to, if they can go visit all four of these families in one day, why do they need to do that definitely on Christmas? It's, it is interesting. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. People tend to put so much pressure on the holidays specifically, but when we get right down to it, it's just one day out of 365 that we have in a calendar year. And if you can spend a lot of other quality time with your family, especially if they're right there, you know, you can do this on weekends and then it frees you up to use time off in a way that might be more valuable to you. So I think they're probably right in a lot of ways, especially for their specific situation, that they shouldn't feel guilty about it. Now, we learn that they don't spend any time with their families <laughs> ever, despite apparently being within very close driving distance. So maybe I, they have reason to prioritize the holidays with family. It does take me back to my childhood, though, a little bit where, so my dad is the oldest of 10 kids, and many of them live in the same city that they grew up in. And so we would come in from out of town and we would often stay at my mom's family's place and do Thanksgiving lunch or, you know, late afternoon, something over there. And then we'd go over to my dad's house or my dad's parents' house uh, for dinner and all of his brothers and sisters and their kids would eventually come over. But it was always interesting, the dynamics and what time people showed up and how to manage this because there's different families to manage around. I think we're really lucky for Thanksgiving with my also large family, with all of my siblings who live in town. I think they've done a really good job of us. They know we're only going to be there a few days, making themselves quite available to spend time with us on the actual day and then meeting up with their extended families the following weekend. Yeah, that's very true. They are very kind to prioritize us like that. Well, we're pretty awesome, right? That's true. Yeah. Um, no, I think it's great to prioritize people during the limited time that you have them when you do live really far away. But again, I think their approach really does make a lot of sense. I just think they could use their time that they have in town with that family a lot more wisely. I mean, they've been dating for three years and nobody has met each other. Like this day that we see everyone is meeting the significant other for the very first time. So clearly they're not, uh, they're not super buddy-buddy with their families. Well, before we talk about their trip and their plans, let's talk a little bit about the role of a guest versus a host here uh, for the holidays. We hear one guy talking about making 13 airport pickups. Yeah. Um, that sounds uh, a bit stressful. We, we've had a good time hosting family outside of the holidays at our home. We've got uh, plenty of room. It's easy to do. It's a lot of fun to have people come over. I don't know about doing 13 airport pickups and trying to host that many people. That sounds like a stressful, miserable experience. Yeah, that sounds really, really intense. And I cannot imagine who has a house big enough to host a bare minimum of 13 people, right? Realistically, you're probably looking at more like 26. That's probably a lot of human beings. So I don't, I'm picturing like a living room full of sleeping bags, people just like stepping over each other to get up and go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. Maybe he means like four trips to the airport for a total of 13 people. Mm, that would be that would Still be nice. Not what he says though. Not what he says, Robert. It does sound really intense. And having that many people in your house at once, I think would be extremely stressful. Hopefully 
if you're in that situation, people who have the financial means to stay in a hotel and ease the burden on the host family will step up and do that because having that many people in anything other than like the Biltmore estate in North Carolina is going to be pretty stressful. Okay. So they are planning on taking a trip to Fiji and ditching their family the whole time. Is this, what does this cost? Like holiday travel is expensive, right? Because there's so many people who want to do it, who are going to visit family. Maybe the Fiji bit is a little bit different, but yeah. What are some fun facts about this? So traveling around the holidays almost always comes with a premium. So this year, especially, there has been a really large run up in prices. Prices have gone up 53% from the 2021 average. So you're looking at a pretty steep spike. A lot of that is inflation. Some of it's increased gas prices. But whatever the cause, the prices have gone up. On average, a plane ticket within the United States around the holidays is going to cost you $430 per person. So that is quite the price tag to be paying to go home to see family or to go somewhere for fun for yourself. A flight to Fiji is going to be even more expensive than that, right? That's a heck of a long flight all the way out to the middle of the Pacific Ocean, right? Um, wow, Carla, I'm going to embarrass myself here. Could it be in the Indian Ocean? I don't think so. I feel like it's the Pacific. It's south of Hawaii, yeah? Like way south, but south of Hawaii. I I don't know. I We've, I've never been to Fiji. Okay, we need to get a globe stat. Um Anyway, Fiji is way the hell out there. It's going to be a very expensive flight to get yourself out there. One tip, however, which maybe they were following, is to fly on the actual holiday because most of the people who are flying around the holidays want to be like snuggled up in their pajamas with a cup of hot cocoa opening presents with their family on December 25th. So if you can start your trip on December 25th, that is going to likely save you some money. Another trip is to just book as early in the year as you possibly can. Sometimes you can get last minute deals, but in general around the holidays, your odds of doing that are going to be pretty slim. So it seems like maybe they were trying to fly out on Christmas day. If that's the case, maybe they actually did save a little bit of money on what was surely still an expensive trip to Fiji. I do like the idea of taking a trip around the holidays, though. Um, work for a lot of people, if you work in an office, kind of slows down around the holidays. I know some people who take almost no time off around the holidays and save their vacation for some other time. And so it seems like they get even more of it. Um, there are other people who like to take off vacation around the holidays because it's low stress. You're going to get many fewer phone calls or emails or people bothering you while you're gone because they're gone too. Yeah, this is the genius of doing things that make you genuinely unreachable, right? Because you can go at any time of year and whatever the hell is happening, you're going to be blissfully unaware of it. I say blissfully though, for a lot of people, I think it just depends on your personality, that pressure of knowing that your email box is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and your list of missed calls is getting longer and longer, that in and of itself can just ruin a vacation for you. So I think you just have to know, one, what is your job like, right? Is are, Do you have the kind of career where you're going to be coming back 
to a giant mess if you walk away from it completely for like a week or two? And two, are you the kind of person who will enjoy completely turning it off? Or are you somebody who's going to let that pressure build? And by the time you get back, you just feel like a miserable human being. All right. Before we move on, I have a quick fortune teller, you know, future guess crystal ball kind of question for you. Okay. So I feel like COVID changed the game for some people and some families around the holidays, right? Definitely. In 2020, there were a whole lot of people who decided they weren't going to travel to go visit family uh, or they were going to visit family in a much different way. It's 2022, a couple years have passed. People's, some people's routines have permanently changed. Some are just temporary. Some are getting back into the swing of what they did before. Do you think this is going to be a, a substantial change for a decent number of folks where uh, for us, 2020, we didn't go visit family and it felt very, very different. Um, we didn't have any of the travel stress that comes along with the holidays. Yeah. And so it was relaxing in a different way. It wasn't as restorative as a chance to spend time with family, but it was, it was just different. Do you think people are going to travel differently or less in a meaningful way across the population as a result of COVID? Well, I suppose, I mean, 2021 was definitely a lot better, right? We saw family in 21 and we've already seen family so far for Thanksgiving in 22 and we're going for Christmas and this year as well. I'm guessing that the social pressure that we hear discussed in this clip is not gone. COVID did not wipe it away. And so most people are still going to continue to see family, even if they did take a break from that for a year or two years. I don't know. They're also saying that people are traveling more vacation-wise because they have all this pent-up desire that built up over COVID. And now they're finally like letting loose and going on these dream trips that they've been saving up for. So I'm guessing maybe there's a little bit of that too. Maybe there are a lot of people who are excited to see family after a long time. I don't know. I guess I'm in the camp that I don't think COVID is going to change things dramatically for the vast majority of folks. Well, I'm disappointed that you didn't tell us this future prediction in your Miss Cleo voice, but you know, <laughs> whatever. Let's move on. So our next clip is actually Vince Vaughn and Reese Witherspoon talking about their excitement for getting ready to go on this trip, right? It's about to happen. They're getting ready to, I think they're packing to go to Fiji or talking about making reservations for what they're going to do with their time. Yeah, they're kind of gearing up and making plans. And they also offer some thoughts on how excited they are for this particular trip. I should probably check us in online after this. Get it. You checked us in already? You're the best, sweetheart. You know, I picked up a pair of those noise-canceling headphones that you wanted. I did not. Yeah, I put it right next to your travel pillow. Oh, my God, I kept hinting. I'm excited. We should probably sign up for the uh, scuba boat as soon as we get there because I hear it fills up really quick. I feel like we've been on this vacation before. Scuba diving, and we did that in Bali, and Costa Rica, yeah, and Hawaii. And... Baby, this is Fiji. We've never yeah. been to Fiji. So it's like, that's a whole different island, and the resort there is beautiful, and you know the scuba diving there is going to be totally different because it's different water, different fish. It's going to be really good. Right. I'm excited. It's going to be amazing. Are you excited? Mm -hmm. I am. I'm really excited. I am excited. 
do you think she's really excited? Well, I mean, they are playing a very low-key game of backgammon, and she doesn't seem that into it. I think Vince Vaughn told her what move to make the previous turn. That's true. So maybe she's just being kind of passive-aggressive at this moment, because she's like, <laughs> dude, I know how to play the game. Uh, that could also be true. That's that's what I took from the scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my take is a little bit different. <laughs> I feel like she doesn't sound very enthusiastic about it, right? She seems like... This is almost a been there, done that kind of thing, even though she hasn't been to this particular location. It's just sort of a repeat of their greatest hits, and she's kind of ready for some some new ones to be mixed in there. So I think this raises an excellent point for people who think that travel is kind of the be-all, end-all of life, especially folks in the early retirement community They think of travel as this giant carrot that's dangling out there and something that they're going to just do all the time and enjoy all the time. And every day will be this amazing experience of swimming with the tropical fish and nothing will ever get to them ever again. And I think that tends not to be true for most people. And it sounds like it's not true for Reese Witherspoon's character. She feels like she just needs something a little bit more fulfilling than just swimming in a beautiful ocean every day. I get it. I definitely get it. So we had the lucky opportunity to travel for most of 2019, and we spent nine weeks in Europe. By the end of those nine weeks, Carla, I was kind of done with it. Yeah. I mean, it sounds so ridiculous. We were visiting beautiful places, eating at delicious restaurants, exploring all kinds of new sites, but at the same time, they all felt really similar and familiar and there wasn't anything productive in the middle of it. By the time we were nearly done, I was definitely thinking, yeah, big deal. Another 400-year-old church or painting from a (laughs) Renaissance master. Whoop-de-doo. I think we did it wrong. We crammed way too much into too short of a time period And we didn't give ourselves enough time to relax, enough time to have a routine where we could do things that make you feel like a sane, normal person getting, I mean, we exercised in that we walked all over the place every day, but we didn't have like a, you know, let's just take care of ourselves and kind of take care of some business and have something challenging and productive to do for part of our lives and then go enjoy these lovely places for the other part. We definitely did not slow travel. We did the polar opposite of that. And I think fast travel can be really, really fun, but for us in shorter bursts. So nine weeks of back-to-back-to-back super fast travel just doesn't give you the opportunity to fully, fully soak in the environment that you're lucky enough to be in, right? So I think we didn't do it right I would not change it if we could go back because we did get to see a lot of cool stuff. But I do think in the future, I want to travel differently if we have another chance to take long breaks like that. I want to spend big chunks of time in a handful of places. Well, I think what we did wrong is not enough engagement with the people. When I reflect on the pieces that I enjoy the most, we had friends come and visit us on our journey, which was a lot of fun. We visited friends that we knew who already lived overseas. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was a blast. 
there were a couple of times where we stayed in hostels and we met people and had a really good time hanging out with them and exploring places together. I think the the community aspect of it is a lot of fun. And I kind of suspect Reese Witherspoon and Vince Vaughn are going and kind of doing their own thing. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think it's people over places, right? Because places can ultimately only offer you so much. People are an endless source of entertainment, of fulfillment, of connection, of joy. So finding ways to meet new people or going with people that you already really care about, that to me is another key aspect to really enjoying travel and getting the most out of experiencing a new place. Well, I think it's funny. Where did they say they'd gone snorkeling before? uh, Hawaii, Costa Rica, and Bali. Yeah. Those are three places that have radically different cultures. Yeah. So I kind of wonder, they need to get their ass off the resort, Mm -hmm. right? I think they're going to some all-inclusive place, staying on the beach, doing whatever the hotel and vacation guidebook says that they should go do. And they need to get off the beaten path a little bit. Yeah, I completely agree with that too. They seem like they're just doing these very pre-planned kind of excursions. Like he mentions, we need to book the scuba tour right away because it books up really quickly, which may or may not be like kind of off the beaten path, but it sort of has that feel to it, the way he's saying it, right? It's like everybody who goes to this resort goes to this particular scuba spot and they all book the same guy. So it definitely has a feel of just a very, you like go here, pay your money to this person, have this experience, get them in, get them out, put them on the plane back home. So if that is the kind of vacation that they're having, that's definitely not going to give you that same level of connection with local people for sure, or the local culture too, right? You're just going to miss out on so much. So true. All right, well, let's progress forward in the movie. Their flight to to Fiji gets canceled or pushed back to the next day. They're stuck going to visit their four families on Christmas. And the first house that they go to is Vince Vaughn's dad, Robert Duvall's house. Uh, We get to see Tim McGraw and John Favreau, his brothers, who are Mm -hmm. awful. (laughs) There's uh, a lot of violence. Yeah, before we get into this, Carla, so there's four different houses they go to, <laughs> which I want you to rank them. Like, which one would you most want to go spend uh, a few hours on Christmas at? I mean, Sissy SpaceX character seems pretty fantastic, other than the fact that she is in a long-term serious relationship with Vince Vaughn's childhood best friend, which is a little weird. That's a little weird. They play taboo there. They do play taboo. I mean, anybody who's playing board games is the kind of house <laughs> I want to go to on Christmas, right? So true. Taboo in particular is... Pretty, I think that's our all-time favorite board game. Yeah, I was really disappointed in Reese Witherspoon's performance. Vince Vaughn did not handle it well, but she really like sucked. She was terrible. Yeah, it was it was epically terrible. My favorite part from the taboo scene is when uh, I, I guess it's the sister-in-law, uh, Vince Vaughn's sister-in-law, is giving clues to her husband, John Favreau. Yeah, and she says it's the capital of China, and he says Hong Kong, and she's like, yes. And that's, yeah, it's definitely not the capital of China, but well, it worked. So know thy partner. That is the rule of taboo. All you have to do is get them to guess the right answer. doesn't matter if it's actually correct. Well, we probably shouldn't throw stones. We don't know which ocean Fiji's in. That's true. And with that, let's roll clip number three at uh, Robert Duvall's house. 
Gosh, wasn't it just so hard to find gifts under the $10 cap this year? The first gift is to Connor. The $10 what? And it's $10 from... $10 spending cap. Uncle Brad and his special friend Kate. And maybe this will make Brad. you think about being mean to your nice uncle after you see what he got you here. Go ahead, open it up. Brad. Yeah. Uh, what? Xbox? Whoa. This is awesome, man. Top shelf for you, pal. It was a $10 spending cap. How in the hell did you find an Xbox for under $10? Looks like somebody's trying to show off how much money he makes. Yeah. Or maybe someone's family didn't tell him that there was a $10 spending cap. Can we try to stay positive here? What's the problem? We're just trying to give some gifts to some children. It's Christmas. Let's keep the momentum going here. Okay, the next gift is to Cody. And this is from your dad, okay? And I'm sure this is a good gift too, okay? Dig in there, tear it up. A flashlight? That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so good for so many reasons. I, I just love Tim McGraw's like, how did you find an Xbox for ten dollars? That's <laughs> yeah. amazing. That is an excellent line. An excellent, excellent this line. Is well delivered. Yeah. yeah. So lots to talk about. I think one of the main themes here is you've got very, very different levels of economic success. So Vince Vaughn, we learned through kind of a throwaway line, is a lawyer. We don't know what Reese Witherspoon's character does, but she has this sort of aura of being like a successful professional. So maybe she's a lawyer too. Who knows? Anyway, it seems quite clear that these two together are making buku bucks. They live an extremely fancy lifestyle in San Francisco, which is a obviously very expensive place to live. So they must be bringing in a very hefty income. The brothers in this scene do not seem to be doing very well economically. We don't know exactly what they do for a living. Something to do with cage fighting, possibly personal training. Either way, they're not doing very well at it. Yeah, that seems clear. Um, So we've got two sets of people in this kid's lives who are capable of buying very different types of gifts. And that can make for a very uncomfortable experience. So a spending cap is one way to potentially address this awkwardness. Just put everybody on a level playing field, cut off the ability of people like Vince Vaughn and Reese Witherspoon to flash their wealth around and make other people uncomfortable about it. But there are some cons to it too. So what do you think, Robert? Are you pro-spending cap or not? I think I'm pro-spending cap, yeah. I, I think it works out pretty smoothly. Look, the goal is the goal. Uh, that's not the right way to phrase it. When you are in a situation where giving gifts is a strain on people, the goal is to reduce that strain, at least for me. Sure. I, I think there's a variety of ways to do that. One could be setting up a set of rules where there is no expectation for giving gifts for all people who are present. So we've done this actually with my family, right? I'm, I am the middle of five kids and a handful of us are married. And so it is, there's a lot of gift giving that could happen just between the siblings. And at some point we realized that this was kind of a hardship for a lot of us. And instead we came up with this secret Santa thing. So every year my mom does a random drawing and identifies who you are supposed to give a gift to and mixes it up every year, which is a lot of fun. And it is one way to sort of 
take the sting out of trying to come up with a thoughtful present for so many different people that can really start to add up quite quickly. Um, but that, that's one possible solution to this problem. The gift cap, I think, is a very reasonable way to do it. $10 can make it quite tough. Um, I think yeah. the, I think people would probably have more fun if they decided to give fewer presents, but allow that cap to go up just a little bit larger, just because there are so few options that you can get that are, are sort of customized to a person at a limit that that's low. But I don't know. I, I think it's a, a great way to ensure that people feel less stressed, that there's there's no... Imagine if this situation were reversed and Vince Vaughn's character is struggling and he's going to a family where all of his parents, his siblings, the whole family are really well off financially. He's going to feel a sense of needing to keep up with the Joneses, right? Or a sense of dread of like, oh man, I'm going to get them this thing that doesn't feel that exciting to them compared to the Xbox that they got. You got to fix that. You got to have a solution. I I don't have too many besides a cap that, that seem like a good way to deal with it. I agree with everything that you're saying. Because I'm right. <laughs> I'm not anti-spending cap at all. And we have also imposed a spending cap with your family in addition to doing the Secret Santa. So we each get a gift for just one other sibling. And there's a cap on that, which I think is a really solid way to go about doing it. I guess for me, what bugs me about it is that it takes away some of the spontaneity of gift giving and the ability to really put a lot of thought into something that somebody might genuinely enjoy and get a ton of use out of. So maybe there is something that you could get for somebody for like $50 that you think, man, they are going to love this. It would be incredible. I want the satisfaction of giving this to them. I want them to have the satisfaction of owning it. And I am hamstrung by this, so I have to get them something that's just kind of random because I can't think of anything else besides this one gift. Well, have you thought about doing this outside of your Christmas gift-giving standard? Because that's the best way to give a gift, right? When there's no obligation, it's just because you care about someone and want to show that you were thinking of them. That, yeah. those, are the, those are the most fun gifts to receive. Oh, I totally agree with that. I think what's... It would be weird, though, to do that with some people in your life, right? It would not be weird for me to come home with a random gift for you and be like, I found this thing on, you know, some random Thursday and just it just had your name all over it, Robert. I think you're going to love this. That would not be weird. But for me to do that with like a cousin or somebody I might get assigned to a secret Santa thing, that might be weirder. So if this is like my one opportunity to give somebody a gift, I feel like... You know, if we're forcing each other to spend money on something, at least really try to make it something that they're going to like. So I see mostly pros with a spending cap, but I do see a little bit of a con too, because the worst thing in the world is to just feel like I got to give this person something. I'm just going to spend 20 bucks on some random thing. And then it ends up just being like tossed in a closet. So... If going over the spending cap allows you to avoid that, then I'm for it. I can't argue with that. So in the movie, they keep going a little bit. And, and Vince Vaughn, he's a little bit of a snarky guy in this character. Surprising to see him play somebody like that. <laughs> uh, and one of the kids, is he's not happy about this flashlight. And they start talking about gifts from Santa. And Vince Vaughn says, 
Well, I'm pretty sure the Sandisk gifts are also going to be about $10 or <laughs> something like that, right? Uh, yeah, and the kids respond, what do you mean? Why would the gift from Santa only be worth $10? So uh, if it's not already obvious, this is where we're going to get into the Santa discussion, parents of the world. Um, so there is a real good reason why Santa's gifts would also clock in at about 10 bucks. I don't understand. <laughs> Am I going to have to break it to you? Is this, I'm going to have to be the one to do it. Okay. Um, Robert, Santa Claus was actually your parents. That is where your presents came from, from uh, good old St. Nick. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought the reason why Santa Claus didn't wrap presents at my parents' house, but did at some of my friends from school or some of my cousins was, you know, just because of the weather. I don't know. I don't Because uh, we didn't have a chimney. Yeah, my parents mostly didn't wrap santa presents either that feels like a genius move as a parent be like well this just pulls him out of his big old sack santa doesn't have to bother to wrap these yeah but guys. there's tons of kids who do get totally wrapped santa presents yeah those parents need to um take a look at the other parents who are doing it right because yeah. that is a lot more well, wrapping uh, involved five kids at my house i'm sure that would have been like <laughs> insane to go pull off when when could they have found the time I, I can't imagine how little sleep my parents would get oh, yeah. setting up oh, toys yeah. and doing some kind of layout after we've all finally oh, gone to God. sleep I but know. also we're gonna wake up hella early on christmas morning to see what the heck's going on oh, mom and dad we love you guys a lot yeah. both sets of parents um thank you for doing that for us for many many years yeah, it seems crazy to me that kids don't figure it out a lot earlier than a lot of kids do uh, because there do seem to be just lots of questions, right? Um, in particular, why does one kid get like a box of crayons for Christmas and another kid is getting like one of those pow, pow, power wheels, little Jeeps that you get to drive King of the road. Uh-huh. Didn't everyone want one of those at our age? Yes. I didn't, I didn't know anyone who had one. I feel like that was like the pinnacle of wealth if you had a power wheels. I didn't get to drive till high school. (laughs) Anyway, it seems like there's, you know, like a few red flags that kids should maybe pick up on. I have seen an online slowly burgeoning movement encouraging parents not to go put crazy expensive stuff coming from Santa because it kind of weirds kids out when they go to school and talk about, well, what'd you get for Christmas? Mm -hmm. And some people are like, well, I got... I got a new pair of socks and that that was a really wonderful gift. And it was a big sacrifice from their family to make that happen from Santa. Yeah. And somebody else is like, well, I got the newest video game system and a uh, power wheels. Yeah. Right. No, I mean, life is just inherently unfair. It flat out sucks that there are kids who have these deep Christmas wishes and they just can't come true because of the situation that their parents are in often through absolutely no fault of their own. So it is just plain unfair. There is no other word for it. Well, do you want to know my solution to this problem? I do. We need to kill Santa. Oh, my God. We need to stop lying Um, to our children and just just get it over with. Okay. I thought for a second you were campaigning to kill all the parents of the world, which that would be a bad situation. I I just mean Tim Allen's character. Okay. Just Tim Allen. The Santa Claus. Yeah, he was a particularly annoying Santa in my very non-humble opinion. But yeah, I do think there are a lot of parents out there who have come to the conclusion that lying to their kids is not great, even if it seems fun for a few years and they've done away with the Santa thing. And I don't know. We don't have kids, so we don't have to make that tough choice. 
because I do think Santa's really fun. But I tell children at least two or three every Christmas. I try mm-hmm. to ruin the mystery. Yeah, you just walk around finding random kids on the street. <laughs> you believe in that guy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so the only solution other than killing the idea of Santa altogether is to have a, what, like a universal spending cap? Like a Santa cap. No parent ever can spend more than like 20 bucks on a gift from, quote unquote, from Santa. Well, how many gifts did Santa bring? Was it five or 15? This is a great question. I don't know. But it's definitely not the way that I feel like a lot of people operate. In my house, the like bigger, more exciting gifts were always from Santa. So I don't feel like my parents followed that. The movement was not a thing when I was a kid to not have the bigger things coming from Santa. But I do think it's, I mean, on a more serious note, it's a good thing to be honest with kids about the reality of different socioeconomic situations, right? If parents have chosen careers that just don't pay as well, they should be upfront with their kids on that front, I think. It's... This all goes back to being more upfront about money overall, right? I think it's great to be honest with kids from a reasonably young age about what's going on with your financial situation. So Santa is just one of many ways that we kind of hide the ball, obfuscate things, and keep kids in the dark about what's going on with money. So we've seen what Vince Vaughn's uh, side of the family looks like for Christmas or one half of it. Let's play this next clip where we hear about uh, the gift-giving setup at Reese Witherspoon's mom's house. Pastor Phil has encouraged us to dispense with the commercial trappings of the holidays. Pastor Phil, mom's new bow. It's a whole new thing. Christmas. So what I had in mind was that we would go around the room and each of us would speak to the spiritual gifts that we might give. A verbal gift giving of sorts. Wait, there's really no presents? Cassie. None that you can see. (laughs) Okay, I'll go first. I would like to give more of myself to my church and to Pastor Phil. (laughs) Carla, what kind of of spiritual gifts do you want to give to me? I don't think we can say it on a public podcast. You can curse on podcasts, it's okay. Um, that is so painfully awkward and it gets much worse. We should say I cut off that clip before things got super, super sexual in that room, uh, which is also probably not appropriate given that there were young kids sitting in the room whom you heard from there. So what do you think of this idea of quote, spiritual gifts that this family is doing? Well, it seems sort of hollow to say the things that you would give, because I think that's the way that it ends up going is they're not talking about things they're actually going to give to one another. I do love the idea of gifts of your time, um, that you're going to make a commitment to go do something for someone that feels like a personal sacrifice or that you think they will very much enjoy. That sounds wonderful. I also like the idea of experiences as gifts. I think so often we invest heavily in things when gosh, spending time with one another is one of the most precious things that we can have. And it doesn't matter whether that's an expensive gift, like giving people tickets to a Broadway show uh, and I'll go down to dinner beforehand or something much more in reach. Like, hey guys, uh, two days after Christmas, we're all going to get together and go bowling and uh, order pizza, right? Like there are 
there's a whole broad spectrum of ways to do that that are going to be memorable and a whole lot of fun. And I think we often think only of uh, something that you could buy on Amazon. I love everything about that. I think giving somebody the gift of like helping with things that you haven't been helping with before. I mean, let's say that one of you cooks dinner every night of the week. The other person could say, hey, I'm going to cook two nights a week. That's that's just going to be totally on me. I'll do the, the planning and the shopping and the cooking. I'll take care of it all. Or you really hate cutting the grass. I'm going to take that on this year. Just things that are really helpful to each other, I think would be really lovely. So I think giving each other the gift of like time commitments or commitments to change something about the way that you interact with each other or share life's chores is fantastic. The way that they're doing it seems pretty weird and it does take a turn to the dirty side very quickly, but I do think it could be a really nice thing to do to give each other commitment gifts. I think the experience thing can also be epically fantastic. I think for me, it's a little less enticing because there are so few experiences that I would be super jazzed about. I mean, when people talk about that, it seems like they're usually talking about things like concerts, which most concerts I don't get that excited about. Well, and those are really expensive they usually. They're so expensive. Or Broadway shows like you were talking about, things like that. I mean, there are things that I would enjoy, but they would just be so, so very expensive. Well, I mean, you could do all kinds of fun things. What if you say, hey, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to go rent a set of disc golf discs. I don't know if that's even a possible thing to go do. And we're going to go to a disc golf course and just fool around together. None of us know what the hell we're doing and we're going to have a good time. Like that's, you wouldn't maybe choose to play disc golf, but what about just the fun experience of trying something new together? That sounds like a great idea. I'm all for that. Also, that's a perfect segue into something that I was going to bring up which is that I do think there are actual physical things you can give to people which translate directly into experiences that they can have over and over again for a really long time. So I think the perfect example of that is a very expensive example, at least most of the time, and that is a musical instrument, right? You are giving somebody the gift of an experience of learning, challenging themselves, playing, playing with other people, music is inherently an experience. So giving somebody the instrument with which to make that music is, in my opinion, like the best gift of all time. But obviously it doesn't work for everybody because not everybody likes to play music. So other things that would fall under this umbrella, things like board games, right? It's a physical thing you can give somebody, but it is an experience. Every single time you play it, you're playing it with other folks, you're having a really good time with it. So I think board games are another excellent way to give people experiences that they can have over and over again. You could take it to things like, you know, cooking implements, right? If it's something that they're actually going to use, which is a huge, if I feel like a lot of kitchen gadgets get tossed or used like once or twice, but the experience of cooking can be something that's really exciting for some folks. I'm actually a big fan of gifts that have utility, right? I know it's kind of, it's kind of, look down on sometimes for gifts that are just practical, but man, I get a lot of satisfaction out of things that I've been given that I use. And I often think about where they came from when I pull it out of the cupboard or out of the closet. And 
And that's a pretty memorable thing. I think too often people are afraid to give gifts that have like clear-cut utility in someone's life, and they're a little bit more of a frivolous thing that maybe is decorative or isn't the right fit or I don't know. Don't you have some stats on gifts and whether or not they're landing on the mark? I do, and everyone should get a box of tissues out because this is very depressing. <laughs> so on overall, in just the United States alone, there are 16 billion, that is billion with a P, worth of gifts that are unwanted every single year. So the way they got to that number is they surveyed, I think, 2,000 adults in America and learned that almost all of them had gotten at least one gift that they didn't like, and the average value of that gift was 50 bucks. So multiply the population of America times 50 bucks, and that gets you to roughly $16 billion. That is a lot of money that is being completely wasted, right? Also, think about like how much happier everyone could be if they got like just a $50 gift card and they could go spend it on themselves for something that they really want for 50 bucks. So there's a lot of wasted dollars. There's a lot of wasted happiness potential, I think. Overall, $887 billion is spent on gifts just in the United States, just for Christmas or the holidays. So that is just an astronomical sum. And I'm guessing... For a lot of folks, it's maybe more than 50 bucks worth of gifts that's not actually wanted or that doesn't get used that long. So what do you think happens to all these unwanted gifts, Robert? Well, don't we just put them in a big pile on the outskirts of town? <laughs> Pretty much. So eventually, I'm guessing that's where most of them end up. 4% get thrown away almost immediately. Like, just basically, thanks, Plop it in the trash can. <laughs> well, I don't think I've ever done that. Man, that'd be horrible. <laughs> yeah, that would be a pretty bad gift. Um, 7% get donated. So they take it to like a thrift store or something. 10% are returned, which I think is good. That seems like a very good solution to the problem of getting an unwanted gift. Yes and no. My understanding of the retail environment is a lot of stuff that gets returned just gets thrown away anyway. Oh, well, that's even more. God, this is just... I've got the blues, man, the Christmas blues. Okay, so that only counts for like under 30% of all these unwanted gifts, which means the rest of them are probably just stuck in a closet somewhere and will eventually end up in one of these other categories, regifted, donated, or straight up in a landfill. So that is not a happy result at all. Yeah, I think we could probably spend $16 billion more effectively, but that's just me. I can think of some ways. So I think there is a pretty clear-cut solution to all of this. $10 gift caps. <laughs> um, one solution is to stay away from dangerous gift categories. So they've done surveys on the kinds of gifts that people tend to not like. And overwhelmingly, it is clothing and accessories. They're kind of risky gift items to give. Man, I kind of like it when I get clothing. I do too. I don't like to shop for clothing. I kind of love it when people are like, hey, this looks nice. I think that's because we have very good gift givers in our lives. And I can imagine that a lot of the time you end up with stuff that just doesn't fit or that's totally not your style. Because the person giving it to you may be just like completely different in terms of what they like. I, I've allowed the people who give me gifts to define my style. 
Um, the, that's probably an unpopular option. The other, (laughs) but it's true. (laughs) The other least popular gift are cosmetics and fragrances, which also makes sense, right? That's, these are like very, very personalized kinds of things. What somebody thinks smells good or doesn't seems highly individualized. So what are the safe categories? They really don't have, oh, actually I did see that music is like a super well-appreciated gift, although that So I can seems... get some people some CDs, <laughs> yeah. maybe some cassettes? Well, what you could do is give people subscriptions, which I think is something that is very often appreciated. So subscriptions to streaming services that you think they'll like, or music subscriptions can be another great thing to give. But there really aren't that many super safe categories, which leads me to the best solution here, and that is, what do you think I'm going to say? To kill Santa. Okay. <laughs> barring that, barring that, what else do you think I'm going to say? I think you're going to suggest having an honest conversation with the people you care about in your life. And that maybe you should all dial it back a lot. Not just a little bit, but a lot. And and talk about how the most important thing is finding a chance to spend some time together and not contributing to the landfill. No, that's very unreasonable. I was going to suggest that we increase the amount everyone spends every year. (laughs) Not a cap, but a floor. (laughs) (laughs) That's perfect. Uh, No, that is exactly what I was going to say. Just talk to each other, right? Be honest. So I was listening to a Hidden Brain uh, podcast episode just this morning. I was taking our lovely dog for a stroll, and it was all about gift giving. And they were talking in the episode about surveys they've done from the perspective of gift givers and gift recipients. And we've all been on both ends, right? And what they found is that surprise is really highly valued by the gift giver, but not very valued at all by the recipient. The recipient would just much rather get something that they know they're really, really going to love And they talked about how the perspective of the giver versus the receiver are just kind of mismatched. So the gift giver is just focused on having like a really exciting whiz bang moment of giving somebody something, right? You want that wow look on their face and oh my gosh, I never saw this coming. I can't believe you did this. How did you know, right? That's the dream. We all want that. And I sympathize with it. That's It would be great if we could all peer into the minds of people secretly and figure out that one special desire that they would never bother to tell anybody. Except the data says we all kind of stink at that. We all suck at it. I mean, $16 billion. I feel like that's a conservative estimate. I think it is too. Of unwanted gifts every year. That is just, it's just silly. It's just plain silly. So... We need to think about gifts more from the perspective of the recipient, right? Forget about that one moment when they tear open the paper. Think about this thing being in their life for like years and years to come, right? You're giving somebody responsibility for owning this item. They've got to find a spot for it. They've got to figure out a way to utilize it to its fullest extent or not. And then it's just going to sit there and nobody's going to be happy about it. So think about things from the perspective of the recipient and just forget about those like two and a half seconds that you have of reaction time. So we should all be far less focused on surprise. And I think way more focused on utility and honesty 
and just tell me what you actually want. I think we should just diminish the the importance of the gift giving. I think that's the really the way to play it. Yeah. I mean, it sounds... It Let's sounds, kill Santa. It sounds nice. But I will say, I have been on the receiving end of some really special gifts. And that's, that's a lovely experience that I hope everyone has in their lifetime. I've also gotten to give some gifts that I thought were very carefully selected and that I was super excited about. I don't hate the idea of gifts overall. What I hate is the idea of obligation. Yeah, the pressure. Yeah, you don't have any great ideas for somebody, and so you just end up buying some random thing. That's where the $16 billion is going. So if you're in that situation of just pure obligation, I say we just start talking to each other. Fair enough. Well, this is our first episode on a Christmas movie here. We got a few more coming, so come check us out next week and... uh, See what new ideas we have on this uh, holiday season. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll catch you next time. Take care.